Welcome back to A Better Night's Sleep, a podcast about sleep, sleep disorders, and evidence-based treatment from military health sleep experts. I'm Dr. Julie Kinn with the Defense Health Agency. And I'm Dr. Jonathan Olin, Medical Director of the Evans Army Community Sleep Lab. Today we're going to be talking about restless leg syndrome, RLS. And I've got to admit right up front, most of what I know about this topic is based on infomercials I've seen on TV. So John, you're going to be doing the heavy lifting as always. So bearing that in mind, what is restless leg syndrome? Sure. It's a uh, subjective condition, meaning the patient or individual report it. It's generally described as a creepy crawly feeling or an urge to move that's worse at night. It interferes with falling asleep and gets better with movement. Some textbooks say it occurs in 10-ish percent of the population. In my experience, that's a little high. And maybe I'm seeing a younger population than many of the textbook populations. But I, so, and it can range in severity too. But again, it's a subjective sensation of needing to move arms or legs, often legs, and uh, diurnal variation, meaning worse at night, interferes with falling asleep, better if you get up and move around. Is it more common in people who are just generally fidgety? For example, the kind of folks who, during a meeting, when they need to sit still, will always be tapping a foot or shaking their leg? Generally not. So that's one of the, there are these uh, four diagnostic criteria that I mentioned just now, and there's even a mnemonic with urge, which is U-R-G-E, obviously. So urge, the U, is that sensation. It's uh, rest-induced, so it's worse with inactivity. It gets better with movement, but it's worse in the evening. So there needs to be diurnal variation. So someone who's fidgeting all day and it's not worse in the evening, that's not restless leg syndrome. Is diagnosing restless leg syndrome similar to diagnosing sleep apnea, where someone would have to do an overnight sleep study in a lab setting? That's a good question, and the answer is no. So again, this is a clinical or subjective where a person presents history and then the diagnosis is made off of that. Sometimes in a sleep study, we'll see people move their legs when they're asleep. In fact, that's pretty common. About 80% of people with restless leg syndrome or RLS will have leg movements in the study noted, but they don't need a sleep study to make that diagnosis. So it sounds more like something that can be diagnosed after just a conversation with your physician or sleep doc. Correct. And I've and obviously there's a whole range of severity. So if someone says, Yeah, I have that, but it's once a month and it's not not a big issue, then obviously it's not going to be high on the priority list to treat. But if someone says, Yes, I have insomnia, um, I'll then a- I sometimes ask, What percentage of your insomnia is related to this leg sensation? Mm. And if they say one or two percent or it barely happens, then we need to move on. Maybe they're having some other things that we talked about in earlier podcasts. Maybe they're having nightmares. Maybe they're checking their watch and looking at clock. Maybe they're drinking a little bit too much caffeine. But if they said, oh, my goodness, if if my legs were fixed, I'd be happy, then um, that's front and center, and that needs to be addressed. Basic question here. Is it painful? Does it feel like a leg cramp? Generally not. It's a need to move. But some people will discuss kind of a bugs crawling on their skin. 
it's generally not pain. So that's going to be differentiated from nocturnal evening cramping where it could be in the calves and they'll get up and stretch. So that's right. that's distinctly different. Um, those of our listeners who exercise regularly, maybe they did a long bike ride or did a long run and they'll get a hamstring kind of spasm at night. That's not restless leg syndrome. And I would imagine there's some confusion during pregnancy too, right? Don't women more likely have leg cramps during the night while pregnant? That's that's true, but actually uh, there are several conditions where restless leg syndrome is more commonly seen in pregnancy is one. Oh, really? I'm not an OBG, but if people can have leg cramping at night during pregnancy, they also can have restless leg uh, syndrome symptoms, and those can and do often do resolve postpartum. Just one of those fun symptoms no one warns you about until after you're pregnant. Exactly. So there are a couple, three other conditions that where restless leg symptoms are seen. Some okay. may be relevant for our for our listeners. So one is treatment with an SSRI, selective oh. serotonin reuptake inhibitor. An antidepressant. Correct. Antidepressant anti-anxiety med that's often used, for example, to treat PTSD. Lexapro, Celexa, Prozac, Zoloft, uh, Paxil. Those meds can aggravate or cause restless leg. If someone has, say, for example, severe PTSD and reports significant improvement on a med and very mild intermittent restless leg, then maybe that's something they want to live with, and meaning the restless leg, and they see overall the benefits of the med outweigh the risks. If, on the other hand, someone was started, I don't know, an antidepressant a few years ago, reported resolution of their symptoms, and now, for whatever reason, has restless leg, then then maybe that could be looked at and, and stopped, meaning the med, or at least reduced or looked at. There are There is an antidepressant, Wellbutrin or Bupropion, that's not associated with re- aggravating or, or an increased uh, restless leg symptoms. So med, pregnancy, as we discussed, and renal failure, Obviously, that's going to be relatively uncommon in our active duty population. End stage and renal failure, people on dialysis, many of them will report significant restless leg. Uh, iron deficiency can be seen, Can be, people with iron deficiency can oh, be seen to have restless leg. That's prob- I'm not an OBG, I'm not an endocrinologist, but in my lay version of thinking about it, that may be a factor with why some women have it during pregnancy. Yeah, that would make sense. So that's just what I've thought, but I haven't seen that in the literature. So, John, how do you treat restless leg syndrome? So I ch- check an iron level, and specifically I'm looking for an iron level a lab value of something called ferritin that is a measure of a person's long-term iron storage. And I generally like to see that above 75. Now, labs sometimes call 10 or 15 or less abnormal, but there can be people with significant restless leg symptoms that will have, say, a ferritin of 25 or 30 or 35, so it's above what the lab calls too low. But uh, when you replace their iron with iron tablets, generally with vitamin C, they'll then get better. So it's not low enough to cause them to be anemic. They're still making red blood cells, but it's slow enough so that they're developing restless leg symptoms. Iron is used as a cofactor in the production of a compound co- compound called dopamine. It's a neurotransmitter involved with movement, Parkinson's disease, Michael J. Fox, for example. Many people 
know of him and know that he has Parkinson's. Dopamine is an important neurotransmitter for movement. So if you're not making enough dopamine over the course of the day, by the time the evening rolls around and your your iron levels are a little bit low and you're not making enough, then maybe that's why you develop some restless leg symptoms at night. Uh, okay. There can be some non-med treatments that are useful. Stretching. Some people like warm baths. Some people like cold baths. Some people, I am one person who got weighted blankets, kind of, I think it was, frankly, over the internet, where he got sort of lead or heavy buckshot kind of blankets, put those on his legs and just felt better with kind of the pressure. Uh, Some people, as I said, will do stretching. Caffeine can aggravate restless legs. So there are some people that did reduce or stop their afternoon caffeine. Alcohol aggravates, exacerbates restless legs, so reducing, stopping evening alcohol. And then there's some meds that are useful, and they can be extremely effective. I had one person I saw in the last week or two, and she had very severe restless leg symptoms and lived with them for years. Was very reluctant to take a med, didn't do well on one med, um, and then uh, started another med and had basic resolution of her restless leg. Sounds like the good news is that it's treatable and it's manageable. Uh, Yes. In my experience, there are a few different uh, treatment options. And I I can't think of anyone that I've had that is severe, moderate or severe restless leg that hasn't gotten significant improvement. It sounds like one of those conditions that if someone notices these symptoms, they shouldn't wait too long to go see a provider because there really are quite a few treatment options, medication, non-medication options, and a few simple lifestyle changes that could make a big difference. I agree. Well, thank you, John, for the excellent information as always. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on A Better Night's Sleep podcast. A Better Night's Sleep is produced by the Defense Health Agency. You can join us on social media at Military Health on Facebook and Twitter. Please send us your questions. Our next episode will feature John's responses to a few that we've already received. Thank you so much to those of you who have rated and subscribed to A Better Night's Sleep on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to check out our other shows, including The Military Meditation Coach and Next Generation Behavioral Health.